All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, five game winning streak time, break up the Vols time. It's kind of an ugly game over the weekend, though, time. But a win's a win time and a bowl's a bowl time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24 7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Monday morning out there. Of course, most people around here, no, no one really likes Mondays. But I got to tell you, uh, when the Tennessee football team has a five-game winning streak, the Tennessee basketball team just beat another ranked team, I'm just a little bit happier around these parts. A little bit happier around these parts. Just the air smells sweeter. People are nicer to each other. It's just kind of it's kind of good for the uh, emotional well-being of our beautiful mountain town here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Guys, we're going to do something a little bit different with this podcast today. I'm not going to ignore the Tennessee Vanderbilt football game over the weekend. I'm going to discuss that here just a little bit. Uh, but the reason it's just me in the studio right now is that what we're going to do here is we're going to bring you an exclusive interview that I had last week with Tennessee senior linebacker Daniel Batuli, kind of the heart and soul guy of the Tennessee defense, uh, and a guy who who really just has um, an unbelievable story. You know, this is a kid who, uh, long story short, 20 years ago, just 20 years ago, uh, the Batuli family, uh, his parents and, and the three boys at the time, uh, they're natives of the Congo. They were at a refugee camp in Cameroon trying to uh, speak with the CIA and get clearance to become, uh, or or at least to move to the United States of America. And uh, just when you think about that, it kind of blows your mind. And and what makes it even more mind-blowing is that just 20 years later, just 20 years later, think about where these three Batuli boys are now. Uh, The oldest is serves in the United States Navy, and he lives in California. Uh, the middle brother works at Merrill Lynch in Nashville. And the uh, the youngest of the three Batuli boys is now uh, just a few months away from, from being an NFL football player. You think about that, the American dream, it's real. So there's a lot of cool things to, uh, to talk about there. I sat down with Daniel for about 20 minutes or so last week, uh, talked about sort of his emotions going into his final home game at Tennessee, what his career's been like, what lessons he's learned, you know, throughout kind of a a really interesting life, what lessons he's learned the past four years at Tennessee, which, you know, started um, pretty decently for him. Uh, And and then for the team, it just got really, really bad, really, really bad. Uh, And now it's starting to get a little bit better again. And also talked about sort of what he's learned from his family and their unique story, his parents, just the the courage that they had having to to flee a war-torn country, you know, because his mom happened to sort of be a doppelganger uh, of someone who was one of the one of the the big honchos over there uh, had had an enemy more or less. It's kind of confusing to explain here, but but the one of the men who was in charge over there 
uh, had some political enemies, and, and one of them happened to look like Daniel Batuli's mother, so uh, the, the family decided to, and this is this is Daniel's account of the story, and, and so they had to uh, get to a refugee camp in, in Cameroon and then try to get over to the United States of America, and they settled in Nashville, uh, which years down the road ended up benefiting Tennessee because he became a heck of a football prospect and a kid who grew up in Nashville, so he knew all about the Vols and uh, chose to attend the University of Tennessee, and, and he's been a really good player, He's certainly been playing the best football of his career lately. It seems like he's been Tennessee's leading tackler every week. Uh, he's had a couple of absolutely monster games recently. He's been the SEC Player of the Week multiple times in his career, including twice uh, this season. Uh, and a guy who really, you know, his absence the first two games was was huge. You know, Bryce Thompson was out for those couple games, obviously, and, and Emmett Gooden's been out the whole season. So Tennessee goes into its first couple games without maybe its best defender at all three levels of the defense. And, and then, you know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that a team that was kind of thin to begin with plays without those three guys and then doesn't play very well. Uh, but but that's what happened the first couple games. Then Batuli gets back and Bryce Thompson gets back and all of a sudden kind of things start coming uh, together and, and Tennessee starts playing a little better football. And, and then what do you know it? The Vols uh, go from being 0-2 and, and then 1-4 and, and then 2-5 and five to they finish the regular season now with a 7-5 and five record. And I'm sure when the rest of the guys are, are here for the Thursday pod, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that Vanderbilt game. Uh, bottom line is, is that it was kind of an ugly day uh, in, in Knoxville. There was a, a bunch of rain going on. The game got delayed, and then it got – you know, suspended for another few, you know, half an hour or so uh, after it started. Uh, just, just kind of a nasty day in Knoxville, uh, and that was kind of a concern because Tennessee's offense relies so heavily on the pass, and, and it did not start well for the Vols. They, they kind of had an ugly start, reminiscent of the Georgia State game, but, but they got it together, and, and they didn't need to play great necessarily to beat that bad Vanderbilt team, uh, especially that was playing without one of its best players. Uh, and Jared Pinkney, the tight end, and, and then uh, Keyshawn Vaughn gets kind of dinged up early in the game, and that really doesn't help Vanderbilt at all. So Tennessee did what it needed to do, wins the game 28-10, to uh, ending a really humiliating three-year losing streak to Vanderbilt, which, you know, you ask any Tennessee fan um, – what's been the most humiliating part of the past decade, I think most of them would tell you losing three straight games to Vanderbilt. Uh, that hadn't happened since before the stock market crash of 1929. That's something that is sort of unheard of. You know, uh, if you are born and raised in this state, which I was, and I'm, you know, the guys joke that I'm 40 years old. I'm really not. I'm 37. But but I'm, I'm old enough to, to, to know that when I was a kid, if you had told me there would ever come a point in time in my lifetime when Vanderbilt would beat Tennessee three consecutive times, I would have laughed you out of the room. I would have said, uh, do you do you even know football? Do you watch what happens every year here? Tennessee either kicks Vanderbilt's tail or uh, Vanderbilt kind of plays it close and then Tennessee finds a way to win. That's just what happens. It happened like every year for like 30 years, it seemed like. Uh, but times changed. Tennessee went through a really, really dark period in its history in a time where Vanderbilt had a good coach there, a really good coach there for, for a few years in James Franklin. And then uh, Derek Mason kind of inherits a pretty good situation. And, and, and Vanderbilt's taken as much advantage of Tennessee's rough decade as anyone has. You know, they were able to kind of turn that series around and flip it on its head. Hadn't just won three in a row, I believe, and won five of the past seven. So Tennessee kind of getting that thing reversed was huge. And uh, that's why you heard 
uh, guys like Trey Smith talk about it. You know, you even heard Brandon Kennedy, the the graduate transfer. I guess he he's trying to become a six year senior next year, uh, but he's technically listed as a fifth year senior this year. Him saying they anchored down kind of against him, uh, you know, kind of throwing Vanderbilt's uh, expression there back in its face. I'm not sure he meant to do that, but uh, if he did, that was some some high quality uh, dissing there. Uh, you had guys like Nigel Warrior saying that it's just you know it's it's just tough to lose to Vanderbilt and you don't want that on your on your legacy and you get Matthew Butler junior defensive lineman saying it's flat out embarrassing to lose to Vanderbilt so this was something that that really bothered a lot of the guys on this team and so to end that uh, was huge you know these guys were sick and tired of losing to South Carolina and they stopped that series they were sick and tired of losing uh, to Missouri and they got that thing turned around they were sick and tired of losing uh, to Vanderbilt, and now they've gotten that thing turned around. So it, it's been a really interesting season because Tennessee last year, in my opinion, won two games that it, I don't want to say it had no business winning, but two games that, that were really huge upsets. This season, I don't know. I mean, I know there have been some Vegas upsets with this team, but I don't know if any of them are really seismic in terms of beating a ranked team or anything like that. Uh, and this team had a couple of ugly losses to start the year, but still – I think that you learn what you need to learn about someone and their character when they get pushed to their worst moment. When you really back someone in a corner, when you humiliate them, uh, when you just take everything they love and you wreck it, uh, then you see what someone is made of. And and we've seen that these Vols, who still have not played a complete game, we need to say that, uh, but we've learned that these guys are tough. We've learned these kids are fighters. We've learned that they're not quitters. And if they... If what they did this season was was merely kind of a transitional year that really sort of starts putting this thing back into a better place, I think this season will have served its purpose because this team was not going to win the SEC East. It was not certainly going to win a conference championship and definitely wasn't going to win a national championship. So what could this team do? It could lay a foundation for the future. And, and I think in a weird way, maybe those first two games ended up being a good thing for this team in the long run or this program in the long run. Uh, Georgia State, that's an embarrassing loss. Everyone knows that. But still, I, I think that when you really look at it, you see, you know what, maybe maybe it ended up being good for them in a weird kind of way. And I, I might be wrong on that. I just I don't think you can assume that Tennessee's five-game winning streak means that Tennessee should have been 9-3 and three instead of 7-5. and five. I it's easy to say that, and I can't say you're wrong, but but I also don't know that you're right. I don't know that anyone can assume that. If Tennessee hadn't been humiliated by Georgia State, would they have known exactly how seriously they needed to take this Vanderbilt game? Would they have known something like that? Would they have known that they needed to come out ready to play uh, against a UAB team that, that had been um, a pretty pretty darn good team at that point, hadn't really played anybody, but had only lost one game? You know, would they have taken that as seriously as they as they as they ended up taking it? I don't know that, uh, but what I do know is that from that game, we'll have plenty to talk about later in the week. We're certainly going to mention Eric Gray, Tennessee's freshman running back, 246 yards, three touchdowns on 25 carries. That's a new Tennessee freshman record. Uh, and you know the guy who used to have that record? You might remember him, Jamal Lewis. Maybe you've heard of that guy. Maybe you've heard of Jamal Lewis, Mr. 2,000 yards in, in a season in the NFL. 
regardless, Eric Gray went out there, had a huge game, and Tennessee needed it because Ty Chandler was banged up. Tim Jordan wasn't very effective. Jared Garantano in the passing game were kind of grounded uh, with the weather to you know to a certain extent, just weren't really that sharp throughout the game. Tennessee needed something special from somebody else, and, and Eric Gray was that someone. So we'll have plenty to discuss about that, uh, but the main point of this podcast is a really, really interesting interview with a, with a pretty special kid. And I was fortunate to be able to spend about, oh, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 minutes uh, last week one-on-one with Tennessee senior linebacker Daniel Batuli, and, and a lot of good things came from it. And we're going to step away quickly for break, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products and services and all those fun things. And then we're going to come back and you're going to hear my interview with Daniel Batuli. Then we'll take another quick break and then we'll get out of here. But when you come back from this break, guys, you're going to hear me speaking with Tennessee senior linebacker Daniel Batuli. Hashtag. Ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Daniel, I'm sure you've thought about this a lot. You kind of seem like a guy who who thinks and sits back. I know you play the game, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally, but I, I think you, you've always seemed to be a quieter guy off the field. What what sort of things are running through your mind heading into your, your final home game at Tennessee? Uh, uh, I'd say win. You know, at the end of the day, I came to this university to win games and just set a standard uh, since I came here. So... Uh, going into this last game, I definitely want to win this game for the seniors that I've been here working with uh, since I got here and uh, just set a standard for the guys that are coming up. So, You know, y- y- y'all have – obviously it- it's it's ancient history now, but y'all did not start the season the, the way that you wanted to. And as a senior, i got to imagine that's something that you-, you take pretty personally. How much pride have you been able to take in the fact that this thing has gotten turned around? I mean, I know it's not going to be a – you know, a championship season, technically y'all aren't going to win the league or anything like that, but it seems like this thing might be kind of back on course now. How much pride do you take in that? Uh, definitely a lot of pride. We knew with those previous games that uh, we were we were really the ones beating ourselves uh, with our mistakes that we were making, so we understood that if we came out each and every game from this point on, uh, honed into our uh, assignments, uh, communicated, communicating as much as possible that uh, all those things would take care of themselves. You know, I, I imagine that, that, you know, guys only get one senior season technically. I guess maybe you could get a sixth year or something like that for some yeah. guys. But in general, you get one senior year. And, you know, you've been a guy who's put a lot into this, you know, come a long way the past four years. And, and then in preseason camp, you learn that you're going to have to have a procedure done on your knee and you're yeah. going to miss some time to start the, the season. What runs through your mind at this point? Is there panic about how long you'll be out? Is it frustration, anger? What What's going through your mind at that point? Uh, definitely a little bit uh a little frustration because I obviously want to be out there with my teammates. But I just wanted to be a leader as much as I could. And uh, since I couldn't be there on the field, I wanted to be a verbal leader. Uh, just uh, pat my guys on the back when they, when they were going through some things and uh, just try to help them out if they had any questions. So 
uh, that was the approach I was going with after the surgery. How, how would you describe sort of your role on the defense? I know that a lot of people say the, the Mike is the, the quarterback of the defense, and I think that's a pretty good comparison. And, and, and watching y'all on film and watching y'all in games, it, it seems like that's almost your role. Uh, is that how you think of it, or how do you think of your role on this team? Oh, that's that's definitely it. Uh, definitely feel like I'm the you know, I'm the quarterback of the defense. You know, when things aren't going well, I definitely take it upon myself to be that guy that's gonna uh, verbally try to address the guys and to get things going and just help the team in any way I can. You know, you're a guy who, you know, there, there's guys on this team who have all kinds of backstories. You know, you've got guys who come from all over the country, uh, you know, from different countries. Mm -hmm. You know, some guys uh, grew up in families that had lots of money. Some some guys grew up in, in families that didn't have a lot of money. I, I think your backstory is one of the more interesting ones on the team. You know, is it, you ever kind of stop and pinch yourself that, you know, you've earned every bit of it, that, but that along the way, you know, guys who came from your situation going to somewhere like this, I mean, that that's not an, an open and shut deal, you know. Yes, it's, it's not something that, that's a given. How how often do you think about that? Uh, I think about that all the time. Uh, you know, every time my dad comes, my mom and dad comes down, and they see myself in the news or newspaper, <clears throat> uh, they definitely get emotional on uh, knowing every, uh, what all we came through and everything we've been through. Uh, to be at the point, point that we're at right now is uh, definitely something fortunate for me. And... Uh, it's definitely something I don't take for granted each and every day, so I just plan on being the light and sharing my story. Now, speaking of that story, you know, how old were you when you when you came to this country? And, you know, because some people remember their early childhood really vividly, and there's some people like me who I don't know things that happened before my fifth or sixth birthday. I just don't remember them. Some people do. How old were you when you came to this country, and what do you remember, if anything, about that time? Uh... I, I remember like little glimpses of like the refugee camp and uh, uh, living in the tent when we first got here. I, we were th I was three and just just going through those hard times. So I definitely don't take just having a roof over my head uh, for granted, just those little things. Yeah, and, and not to, to be a guy who's sitting here trying to, to pick scars or scabs or anything, but what do you remember about you know what led your family to leave and, and what all what all went into that and what was that process like of, of bouncing around what what do you remember about that and what have your parents told you about that uh, my mom was in uh, my parents told me that my mom was in danger apparently she looked like one of the uh, enemies of like the village so uh, my dad be, being the leader of the house he took it upon himself to uh, put uh, my mom's safety first and we just uh, fled the village, and uh, my parents walked miles in order to put us in a really safe situation, and uh, all that took care of itself. So when you left, you, you talked about a camp. Well, what was the process like of getting you know, from the Congo over to America? How many steps were there in that process that you remember or that your parents have talked about? Uh, it, was, it was a lot of steps. You know, the CIA had to come down and uh, communicate with my parents. Uh, they had to understand what all was going on, and... Uh, they obviously knew with like the war, like people were going through some things. So uh, I'm sure it was really hard for my parents, especially not knowing English, trying to communicate with these people. But uh, fortunately, we had uh, a lot of people that were on our sides and uh, really looking for our safety. So uh, they were able to bring us here. And, you know, and, and you think about it now. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how many siblings you have, but I know. You know, you're playing football at the University of Tennessee, have a chance to go play at the next level in the NFL. And you've got, I know you've got a brother, I believe, who you said, Randy, who's in uh, 
in the Navy in California. So uh, for a situation like that, just a couple of decades later, I mean, you, the family's come a long way, hasn't it? I mean, I guess I'm trying to say your parents sort of raised all the right way. Oh, definitely, definitely. Our, our parents uh, definitely did anything and everything to put us in the best position as possible. Uh, and they knew that uh, just being some uh, hard-working, uh, strong young men and women, uh, that if we did that, it, we'd be taken care of. So uh, they did a great job of raising us. Uh, the right way, and because of that, we're in the position we're in right now. Do you do you have a large family? I mean, how many how many Batulis are there out there? Oh uh, yes, sir. Well, I have we have I have two older brothers, Randy being the oldest, uh, Roland uh, being the uh, the second oldest. He just graduated UT. I'm the middle child, and I have two younger sisters, Emma and Madeline. So uh, I guess with the the things you and your your older brother are doing, there's. I guess sort of some precedent set in the family now, right? Yes, like there's no, I, I don't, it doesn't sound like there's many excuses tolerated there. No, no, definitely no excuses. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I preach it all the time when I speak to the media. Uh, you're in charge of your own destiny, so uh, you can complain all you want, but you got to go out there and work every day. So that's something my dad preached me at a young age. When y'all came to America, I know you ended up going to high school in Nashville, but, but was that the first stop when y'all came to the country, or, or did y'all move around before that? Oh, no, sir, no, sir. I, I, Nashville is home to us. It's the first place we came to, and uh, we've loved it We've loved it ever since. And, you know, you think about that, and, you know, some guys that, that are on this team and who have played Tennessee, you know, they play in, you know, California, Texas, Florida at mm -hmm. the 5A, 6A, 7A level. You know, you're a guy who I, I'll never forget the, the first time watching your your film, you know, it, it, it's single A Tennessee football, and mm -hmm. you look like someone's older brother out there. You know, there's <laughs> just you're, you're just sort of running over everybody, running by everybody, and it looks like, man, can someone give this kid a challenge? When you got here, and you go from playing single A Tennessee football to SEC football, how much of a shock to the system was that for you? Uh, to be honest, it really wasn't. You know, I I know my mindset and how football should be played. I know it's a physical sport and in order to be successful at my position you got to be able to hit and obviously I chose linebacker because I love to hit and no matter the size, uh, no matter how fast somebody is, we all have to put on pants the same way and uh, they're human just like I am so so, really it, no so you're saying it didn't take you very long to learn that you could play at this level, that there was no there was no kind of shock there. You, you kind of figured out pretty quickly that I'm, a, I'm still a big guy out here. I can still hang. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, when I started getting recruited by the coaches, I really brought some confidence in me that uh, they believed me. So that's all I needed. You know, you look at the way things were going maybe your first year here. You know, y'all were a pretty good, pretty good team then um, at times. And, and there, there have also been some, some tough times along the way, though, um, how many times did you go home from either a practice or a game and just kind of want to bang your head against the wall and say, why is this not working? You know, all the time, all the time. You know, I'm a very competitive person, and all I want to do is win. So when things aren't going our way, I really try to reevaluate myself for what I'm doing wrong in order to be successful. So I definitely went through those hard times, but at the end of the day, it's life. You just got to adjust to it and... Just keep on working because if you don't, if you just hang your head, uh, things are never going to work out. So you just got to put your head down and keep on working. 
Y'all know that the way that, that Jeremy Pruitt does as a coach, I mean, the way he deals with us in the media is in many ways the same way he deals with y'all. He's very uh, frank. He, he's very to the point. Mm -hmm. um, not not like in a rude way. He just says what he thinks. Yes, sir. And, and I know that might be a shock for some guys, but you kind of seem like a guy who can take something like that. You know, he can a coach can get in your face and say something and, and give you a pretty frank assessment of the situation, and you can say, okay, yeah, I buy that. How, how long – did it take you to adjust to Jeremy Pruitt, and when did you realize you could you could trust the guy? Because I know that's a that can be a difficult process during a change. No, I, it really didn't take me long at all. You know, at the end of the day, uh, what he goes through is very tough. And in order to be a successful college coach, you gotta uh, leave your mark on some guys and uh, really be straightforward. If you don't like what th how things are going on, you gotta let us know. And uh, Coach Pruitt does that, and that's why he's now the coach at Tennessee. Yeah, I remember they going back to practices maybe, you know, a little bit last year, but especially the year, year before. I've heard coaches just during position drills and things yell at you, alpha, alpha, be the alpha, be the alpha, be the leader. Is that something that from your position you knew you had to do, or is that something that you kind of had to be urged to do to kind of to kind of be that guy who plays through whatever and makes it makes it work and doesn't complain? No, no, I, I definitely knew with. Uh, playing my position, uh, having to be the quarterback of the defense is something I had to do, but I, I, that's something I wanted. It's that pressure I wanted. I want to be the alpha on this team. I want to be the guy that has to address guys when things aren't going well, and for the coaches to put that pressure on my back definitely meant that they believed in me. So uh, for them to have done that, I'm really grateful of that, and that's something I don't take lightly. You know, I would imagine for you, and I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine the next step for you is you want to go play football at the next level. You seem to, to genuinely love the game, and yes, you have an ability to play the game too, so I imagine you'll want to do that. But when the ball stops rolling, whether it's a year from now or 15 years from now, what have you, you, know, you seem to be a guy who kind of has thoughts in mind about what you want to do and who you want to be. What do you want to do when you're done playing this game? I want to help uh, get kids in the same position that I'm in. You know, I get to wake up each and every day knowing that I love football, and that's something that I'm chasing each and every day to get better at. And because I love it, uh, I'm able to have this drive in me. So I just want to help uh, younger kids uh, find that passion in life, uh, help them find what they want to do in life so uh, they can be happy in life. So. Do you think kids knowing your, your backstory helps that? Because, I mean, there's a lot of kids grow up. You know, people only know the perspective of their own life, really. You know, so they think... You know, oh my gosh, I have this problem here, or I have this problem there, and, and they don't think about sometimes, especially kids, what other kids are going through. Yes, Do you think being a, being a guy who can sort of pass your story on to people can can maybe help some kids who think maybe I don't have it so bad after all? Oh yes, sir. You know, we all go through some hardships, and I want them to see my story and uh, just let them know: don't let the what you've gone through in your hardships define who you are as a person. You just got to keep on. Uh, working each and every day to be a better you, better version of yourself, and uh, everything will be taken care of. I'm sure you're fundamentally the same person that you were when you kind of first walked onto this campus four yes, years sir. ago or so. But, but in terms of, if I were to ask you, you know, what have you learned about yourself the past four years? As there, you know, because people kind of arrive to college as kids and. You know, the idea is you kind of go to college as a kid and you leave as an adult. You know, you leave as a, as a grown man or a grown woman and yes, you, you get ready to live your life. What, what have you learned about yourself the past four years? Uh, I've really learned a lot of things, you know, but uh, one thing I've learned the most is life is going to hit you hard. You just got to 
embrace uh, how hard you got hit and just keep on working. And that's something my dad used to preach me as a young kid, and I would laugh at it, but uh, having to go in each and every day, pay my own rent, and just all these things, uh, being an adult, uh, it's everything my dad used to talk about as a kid is I'm finally finally experiencing so <laughs> so definitely just being an adult and all the hardships that come with it so even even though you know with all the things you went through you still maybe looking back in hindsight feel like you were a kid when you got here because I I mean it, it, I, I don't know I may have turned 30 before I finally realized I was an adult I mean yeah. did you did you feel like a kid when you got here or did you already think I'm a grown man when oh, you got yeah. here oh yeah for sure for sure you know uh, back at home, I'm getting to wake up and my mom making me breakfast and doing all these things. But as soon as you get to college, you're an 18-year-old teen just uh, thinking you know life until life hits you and uh, knowing you got to adjust with. So, yes, sir. Part of the motivation, I know I'm sure that you want to be as good at football as you can just because you play the sport and you want to be really good at it. You know, anybody who wants to do anything, it, it has any competitive spirit, wants to be one of the best at what they do. But how much motivation is there for you to also sort of just sort of help your family and and pay back, you know, some of the things that, that, you, that they've done to you, you know, and they've yeah. been able to help you with along the way? Oh, yeah, I say this all the time. You know, I, I appreciate football compliments, but I more so appreciate compliments that uh, have something to do with my character, uh, saying I'm a good person or a leader. Uh, that's those are definitely compl uh, compliments I don't take for granted. So uh, definitely helping my parents out in any way I can, or just helping people that believed believed in me from the get go and helped me be the person I am today. So I definitely owe all those people things and uh, all those things they did for me. I definitely don't take for granted. You know, I have a brother, and anyone who has a brother knows that brothers love each other, but get really competitive yeah. with each other. And, and you doing what you do, your brother being in the Navy, uh, do y'all ever argue about who has it harder? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we definitely argue who has it harder. And uh, my brother in the Navy, he, I, I'll even say, he probably, he definitely had it harder. Having to travel travel from country to country and just uh, all these different lives and lifestyles, uh, I I guarantee it's really hard. So uh, right now he has it harder than me. So I'll get that to him. And I want also, you know, your brother, because you know, y'all were not born in the United States of America, and yet there's your brother, um, you know, putting his life on the line for the country. I mean, mm -hmm. so I would imagine that that the pride y'all feel in in this country really grew pretty quickly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It it definitely did. You know, uh, we're definitely fortunate to be uh, in America, uh, really the best country uh, that we could possibly be in. And just being able to have this opportunity to be in the position I am today, I definitely don't take for granted. So is your other brother uh, just a regular old civilian like the rest of us? Or uh, oh, no, <laughs> is, no, he, no. is he in another line of uh, ridiculously hard work? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he actually works at Merrill Lynch, and he's been doing a great job at his uh, job. And Roland is definitely some, somebody that, that I, I really look up to because, uh, you know, he really took it upon his shoulder at a young age, like 13 and 14 to really help out my parents in, in any way that he could. So I definitely just learned by looking at him and uh, Randy and seeing how they uh, lived their life out and just applied it to mine. So how much pressure do y'all put on the, the baby sisters now to, to kind of do what they can do? Because I know the baby in our family, we had, we had a, my youngest sibling's about 13, 14 years younger than, than, than I am. And so there's always been pressure on him to be like, hey, you, you got to be better than we were. You, yeah. you can't make the same mistakes we did. You got to be better. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Emma, yeah, she she kind of, she has that same grit and grind that all the boys do. But Madeline, the youngest sister, she's kind of spoiled. She was actually very spoiled at a young age. So 
or we're just now trying to get on her but to work as hard as we are but uh yeah she's adjusting to it last couple things daniel i know that you know sometimes you know people go to college and things don't go well and they you know they can kind of become disenfranchised mm -hmm. or you know, disenfranchised or you know uh, entangled with some things and you know they get a little bit bitter and, and some people kind of go to college and they they learn more about the place they're at and they mm -hmm. sort of their their love for it their appreciation for it grows as you've been through your time here at Tennessee sort of what have you learned sort of about this program and what has this program come to mean to you uh, this program means everything uh, I've learned the resiliency of all these people that work here in this uh, to make the program that it is right now you know uh, this program is a great program because we have such great media guys that do such a great job at and do their part. The medical staff does a great job of taking care of the players. The coaches do a good job of putting us in the best position in order to be successful on the field. And we also get just a lot of help from all the other people that help us as far as like guidance, as far as like life and everything. And it's all these people that are doing their job and are just making us one, making us one unit in this building that makes this program such a great program. And now I guess the, you know, after the way y'all started the season and some of those frustrations, maybe the the best case scenario at that point could have been that you lay the foundation. You find a way to get the train back on the tracks yeah. and you put the foundation in place for sort of a better tomorrow. Yes, you know, do you feel like you all still have an opportunity to do that? I mean, you, you've already secured bowl eligibility. You know, uh, if you all take care of Vanderbilt this weekend, that'd be seven wins. You could go to a bowl game and get eight wins and really kind of get this thing going in the right direction. Is that something that, that you think you'll be able to look back on with pride? Yes, sir. You know, I go into that locker room each and every day knowing there's a whole bunch of guys that are still hungry. We understand the position we're in right now and uh, what we're in in the past, and uh, we're just hungry to prove we should, uh, and everybody wrong. We're, we're going each and every day trying to prove ourselves wrong, uh, and we're just trying to put our head down and trying to work in order to be successful on the field. Last thing, Daniel, I know that, you know, Tennessee fans are, it's one of the largest fan bases in college football. It's one of the most passionate fan bases in football. It, it kind of feels like, you know, it, it, it could be a really good thing and it can be a really yeah. tough thing, you know, because they, they love this university a lot. They're mm -hmm. very passionate. But when things don't go the way they want them to go, they're also not very happy about it. Yeah. What, what, what's been your sort of, I guess, what you've learned about this fan base and what the relationship that you've built with some of them throughout the, the past four years? I've learned they're as passionate as any other player, any other person I've ever met. You know, these fans really care about Tennessee football, and they're very passionate about it. And they're gonna let you know how they how they feel. So, uh, definitely the best fan base in the nation. You know, uh, when we go out there and we're making plays and they're cheering us on, it definitely motivates us to play even better for them. So. I'm definitely happy for these fans. Well, Daniel, thanks for your time, man, and good yes, luck sir. with the Vanderbilt on Saturday, and good luck with the next step. Yes, sir. Thank you. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. 
As always, you're not contractually or morally, ethically, spiritually obligated to listen to those commercials. You're always able to hit the fast forward button, but we appreciate the people who don't do that because, you know, it, uh, we, we put them there for a reason. We want you to listen to some stuff. We want you to hear some good products and services, and we want to tell you about some other great podcasts that we have on the CBS network, on the 24-7 Sports Network. I guess those are technically one and the same, but you know what I mean. Guys, uh, if you did not know much about Daniel Batuli beforehand and and that was your first kind of glimpse behind um, the, the 35 jersey that you see out there every Saturday, I hope you enjoyed it uh, because this is a... And just a special kid. Uh, he, he just is. He's a special kid from a special family. And I don't know how many people really knew his backstory of, you know, being born to a, a well-to-do family, to, to be honest with you, a well-to-do family uh, in, in the Congo. You know, his father, Patrice, was a um, was a mechanical engineer. Uh, his, his mother was a secretary. They, they had a good life. And, and then things kind of get sideways in the Congo. And uh, there, there's some invaders who are coming in from Rwanda, and and one of those, uh, one of those women in that group looked a lot like Batuli's mother, which caused some, some, obviously some consternation there with the family, especially with the with the father. And so they they go uh, get some help from the Red Cross. They get to a uh, a refugee camp in in Cameroon. Uh, and then despite knowing, guys, think about this, 20 years ago, they did not know a single word of English. They lived in a tent. They wanted to get out of their situation so badly, they came to this country and they lived in a freaking tent to try to make... And this was a guy who, his father had an engineering degree. This is an intelligent man. This family was doing well. Uh, and, and then because of situations that they couldn't control, boom, they... Their lives get turned upside down, and they wanted to come here. They wanted to come to the United States of America. They they found a way. They did not know English and lived in a tent. And now look where their sons are. Their oldest son serving this country, putting his life on the line to serve for the United States Navy based in California. The, uh, the, the middle brother uh, is a recent University of Tennessee graduate who now is working as a financial advisor for Merrill Lynch in Nashville. And, you know, the, the, the youngest, the youngest of the three sons, Daniel Batuli will, will be an NFL player in all likelihood in the very near future. And then the two younger sisters are doing some really good things too. Uh, and the, the older sister is just a little bit younger than Daniel. And then there's a couple of years to, to the next one and they're doing some good things too. I mean, this is such a great, beautiful American story and, and I'm 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 really really happy that Daniel decided that he would share some of that story uh, with us. Uh, I guess I would say, you know, he shared it with me, but really he shared it with all of us because he knew the camera, he knew the the recorder was on, he knew that we were going to talk about this, and he chose to to talk about it publicly. And I think it's a a cool thing, and I think it's a cool thing that he wants to use this experience to help other kids in the future. I think he wants to help, uh, you know, whether he however long he plays football at the next level, whether it's for a month or whether it's for, you know, 15 years, when he's doing that and when he's done doing that, he wants to help, you know, underprivileged kids, especially refugee kids, and he wants to help give them a better life and show them that, hey, this country offers you some great opportunities, and, and if you take advantage of them, you, you, can, you can do anything. It's, it's a beautiful story, and I hope that y'all are impressed with Daniel Batuli because certainly I don't want to tell you what to think. I'll tell you what I think. 
I'm not going to tell you what you should think, but I hope that you're impressed with this kid. He also uh, he, he speaks three languages. Obviously, he speaks English, also speaks French, and uh, one of the, the local dialects from where he comes from. And, and, and just a really brilliant, brilliant kid, a really smart kid, a kid with a great future ahead of him. And, and really, when you talk about, you know, you see these kids on television, they look like gladiators, you know, they look like these big brute strong kids and they look almost like they were robots put on this earth to play football. But underneath that helmet, underneath those shoulder pads, there are some really, really great kids in there and not just the Tennessee everywhere. Are, are there some turds in there? Sure. There are there always are. You're not going to get a hundred, 110 kids, 120 college age males in one room and not have a few turds guys. That's just, I don't know if you know, the way the world works, um, but there's always going to be a couple of bad apples in there. But but most of the time, most of those kids, you give them an opportunity, and, and they're going to want to do something special with it. And, and I think Daniel Batuli is one of those kids. I think Tennessee's been really lucky to have him as an ambassador the past few years. I think Tennessee will be uh, fortunate in the future uh, to have him as an ambassador, and I think he's one of those great stories of, you know, you hear what the kid's gone through, everything he and his family have gone through. I mean, to hear a kid say something like, how many kids do you know that age who really say something like, you know, every night when I go to bed, I look up and I see a roof over my head and I feel grateful. Think about that. It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, just really wanted to, uh, really wanted to share that story. I'm glad y'all got to, uh, really, really, really glad that y'all got to hear it. And, and hopefully in the future, we'll we'll continue to schedule more of these kind of sit down podcast interviews because I think uh, they're good stories to tell. uh, And I think that a lot of those kids uh, have something to say um, about football and about life. And I think it's worth listening to. So that was a neat thing. I'm glad we got to do it. But before we get out of here, I do want to mention that this is, if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, we have a one day sale on the site. Talk about awkward transitions, right? But if, if, you are not a GoBoss 24-7 subscriber, and you've been on the fence about this. Right now on Cyber Monday, we do have one of the one of the better deals I've seen us have since I've been with the company here for a decade or so uh, from the beginning. Uh, this Cyber Monday flash sale is really, really cool, guys. You get your first month for only $1, and your first annual membership you get for 75% off. Uh, th- that that's as good a deal as we've had in a long, long time. So go to GoBoss247.com. Go do that. If you've been on the fence and you're wondering kind of what's this all about, what do they really have behind the curtain there at the site, what do they have there on the checkerboard, what's all this recruiting news that they have, well, come check it out. If you do, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Our, our retention rate's pretty good for a reason because I think we have a pretty good product for a, a really good product for, for a darn good price. Uh, so if you want the latest on Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, Ramey was in uh, – Grant Ramey, my coworker, was in uh, Florida over the weekend, covered Tennessee basketball. There weren't many people down there. We were down there and uh, covered Tennessee there in the Emerald Coast Classic, that kind of painful loss to Florida State, and then that really nice win over VCU the next day. So a lot of good stuff to talk about there. Also got women's basketball. Maria Cornelius covers Lady Vols as well as anyone who covers that program. Uh, and some recruiting stuff there too. She also covers softball and some other uh, of the Tennessee women's sports. Lots of really, really, really cool stuff there. And Patrick Brown does a great job covering Tennessee football for us. Callahan, Ryan Callahan does a does a really good job covering Tennessee recruiting for us. Also helps out with team coverage. So go check that out. We we got a lot of cool things there, and, and I hope that that you will will check it out because if you needed one more reason. 
you get CBS All Access. You get access to CBS All Access uh, for free as long as for life, as long as you are a member of 24-7 Sports. You're, you sign up for GoBalls247.com. You, you pay that first year right there. You get a $100 annual value for free. And I'm going to keep mentioning this on this podcast. I'm going to keep mentioning it because, guys, it is a really, really good deal. There is almost no such, there is almost nothing out there these days that you get for free. Almost nothing. And you get for free, if you pay for our site, so you got to pay a little bit, but you get for free a $100 annual value in your pocket. That's live college football, SEC football, that's live NFL football. Uh, That's access to everything in the CBS catalog, every show, all the movies, everything commercial free. All of it, wherever you want it, on your phone, on your tablet, uh, on your smart TV, on your laptop, at your home office. Take it with you wherever. If you're in one of the big cities, hey, check it out when you're uh, when you're riding the when you're riding the train, when you're riding the subway. If you got to commute and you're not driving, pop that pop that sucker in right there. Catch up on a couple shows while you're there for free on us for life as long as you are a member of 24/7 Sports. Hopefully. Hopefully, Go Balls 24-7, but any 24-7 sports site would be fine. So really, with everything I've just told you, if you don't want to become a member, like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You're looking for a holiday gift? Boom, here you go. You've got a big Tennessee football fan in your life, Tennessee basketball fan, Lady Balls basketball fan. Boom, there you go. What a wonderful gift this could be, and uh, maybe if you uh, if you if you do it quickly, maybe maybe we can even uh, Callahan can can wrap up a little piece of paper for you to put under your tree. We'll put that on the list of things for Callahan to do. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. You can also find all of us, just the Tennessee news from all of us. You can find there on Twitter and Facebook at twitter.com slash goballs247 or facebook.com slash goballs247. That's if you want just Tennessee news. You don't want me talking about arsenal or the cubs or our beautiful new baby puppy corgi that we've got or or any other ridiculous stuff that i talk about throughout the day or or whatever anybody else talks about if you just want i just want tennessee news that's all i want well we have something there for you twitter.com slash go boss 24 7 facebook dom Dot com. Facebook Dom? No, let's say Facebook.com slash GoBoss247. Or as I just mentioned, you can become a member. You can drink your water right from the hose, that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water you can get at GoBoss247.com where you got a great flash, flash sale here on Cyber Monday. And you get the CBS All Access Access. Say that three times fast. CBS All Access Access. CBS All Access Access. CBS All Access Access. I think I just did it. I think I just did it. Guys, if you don't hear anything else, if there's no crazy breaking news before then, uh, and Tennessee's bowl game will not be announced until later, uh, until Sunday. So there won't be any breaking news on that front. But we we might have a basketball podcast between now and Thursday. Not sure about that yet. But the latest uh, you will hear from us after this, barring breaking news, the latest you'll hear from us is Thursday morning. So until then, see you.